I'll tell you, I am a, uh, I'm a sucker for baptism. <laughs> I'm like, you could just, you know, you know, because you get to see firsthand what it looks like when someone's life has been transformed by Jesus Christ. And like, I, I've worked hard on the sermon, you know, we're going to do, we're talking about this week. I hope you listen. But you saw in the last 10 minutes, you, you saw it. That's it. Joel and Kate's life and the joy in their face, the hope in their heart, the change in their life, that's Jesus. That's what he does. That's why we're here doing this church. It's because we believe in the power of God. We believe in the love of God. And we believe that it literally not only transforms lives and marriages and relationships, it transforms cities. It transforms the world. And that's why we're here. And that's why we're doing it. And that's why I love it. I'm telling you, our prayer is that we would see thousands and thousands of people enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ because of the work of this church. And that we would have, like, we wouldn't have enough time. We'd have to literally take a room and just make it a big dunk tank and just <laughs> baptize people. Like, there's just not enough. Lake Michigan wouldn't be big enough to handle the people that we see come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just say that to those of you who are here as our guests and you're checking this whole church thing out. You've seen, that's, that's our hope and desire for you in your life. Is that you would find God, you would find relationship with him, and that your life would literally be changed, as Joel said so well, that he would wreck your life with his amazing love and grace. And so I am thrilled to be a part of a church that puts that at the center. And that's what we're about. And for the next couple of weeks, we are going to talk very practically, very tangibly about something that is very spiritual, although many of us may not see it that way. We're going to spend time over the next month, this month, making change when it comes to our finances. And now that, that can feel a little weird because we're all coming in from different places when it comes to finances. Right? We believe this is so important for us to talk about as a church. But I know that we all come into this space, this room tonight, from totally different places. Some of us come into this room just going, listen, I'm glad you, you're going to talk about this. I don't have many finances. I don't have much. Like, basically, budgeting for me is carry the zero. Like, that's sort of where you come into this thing, right? And you're just like that. So this is really good. And when I have money one day, I'll come back and listen to the podcast. All right? Some of us come into this room with more than we need. In fact, all of us, if you were to kind of judge us by the rest of the world, have more than we actually need. And we are, uh, don't know what to do with the money that we've been given. In fact, we may not even know ultimately who this money belongs to because we think it belongs to us. But God has something actually bigger than that for you, deeper than that for you. So we're going to spend the next few weeks. Tonight we're going to take just an honest audit of money in general, what God's view of it is and what it does to us. Next week we're going to look at debt. That'll be a fun one. And so... Uh, <laughs> Because I know that's not for you guys, but I know you have friends who are in debt, and so maybe you can pass that along. The week after that, we're going to talk about making a plan. Now you think, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It's incredibly spiritual. In fact, the Bible has a ton to say about what happens when you have a plan that honors God. You are actually able to do more than you hope to do when you have a plan that honors God with your finances. And then last week, the series, we're going to look at what it means to live free and generous to be someone who's known as a generous and giving person and how that not only delights God, but it changes you and it changes your perspective here on earth when it comes to the dollar bills, okay? So we're going to dive into it. We're going to be looking at God's word. We're going to be talking about this stuff honestly. We're going to be talking about this stuff practically, knowing that we all come from different places, knowing that we all have different perspectives on it. But the reality, uh, when it comes to your money, the money that you have, the money that you don't have, the money that you want, is, it's really quite simple. And Jesus, we're going to look at his words and his teaching tonight. It's very blunt. Your money can either be something that delights God or destroys your life. Simple enough. 
It's either going to delight God or it's going to destroy your life, but it cannot do both. It can't do both. You cannot delight God with your money and have it destroy your life. It just doesn't work that way. And you can't have it destroy your life, but somehow delight God in the process. It doesn't work that way. And we're going to look very honestly at some of the teaching that Jesus has for us tonight when it comes to our money. You're either going to delight God when it comes to your finances, or it literally has the power to destroy your life. Maybe for some of us, it's been a one big foul swoop over the last couple of years of this economy. For some of us, it will be a life that we missed out on living because we devoted ourselves to our money instead of to God. We're going to get really, really, really honest, really, really practical. Here's the crazy thing. None of the stuff we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is new. I have not combed the scriptures and found some hidden verses that no one's ever found before. People have been talking about God and money for a very long time. And chances are, you've already heard all this before. It's not going to be new to you. You've heard all of this before. It's not that this stuff is new. It's just that we don't pay attention. We don't actually apply what God has to say. And I put myself in that camp as well. A lot of the stuff that we're going to be leaning into, you can go to DaveRamsey.com. Download all the worksheets. Do it all there. You can do all that on your own. You could do that. A lot of the teaching insights that I've gained, I've gained from uh, Andy Stanley, who's a pastor that we used to be part of a church down in North Point in Atlanta. A lot of stuff. This is not new. It's just life-changing. That's all. It's not new. It's just life-changing. It literally has the power to change your life, to delight God, or to destroy it. And so if people have been talking about it for thousands of years, and people have been trying to understand this, do you think maybe we should possibly pay attention to this stuff? That maybe it might be important. This last week, I went to the doctor to get my physical, all right? This is a fun experience. And so I, I highly recommend it every week. You should just go and have someone probe you. And so, um, and so I was there, and this is so awesome. Right, so it's a new doctor. It's a new, our new doctor in the city. And so you know, I'm kind of going through this stuff, and this is amazing. So I'm talking to him about how I'm a light sleeper and I'm not getting enough sleep. And he goes, you know, I read a study just yesterday. It says that people who sleep at least seven hours a night live longer. I was like... That's shocking. Tell me, this is a scandalous report. It's highly debated, I'm sure. Of course people who sleep more live longer. Like, that's a no-brainer. So he kind of tells it to me. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. So then we're talking about my coffee intake, which is not only a physical thing, but a spiritual thing as well. And so it's a stronghold in my life. And so we, we're talking about that, and he goes, you know, if you drink more cups of water than you drink cups of coffee, you're going to come out better in the end. I'm like, this, this, is, this guy's a fountain of wisdom. This is absolutely amazing. I am telling you the hand, this is the truth. So then we're talking about my diet, and he seems to think I'm a little overweight. I debate that. But we were talking, <laughs> he has like 10 years training, whatever. So he was telling me a little about that. This is his hand to God truth, what he says to me. He goes, you know what I recommend? I was like, yeah, what? Give me some kind of regimen. He's like, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> he goes, fruits and vegetables. That'll really, honestly, it makes a difference in your diet. And I'm kind of like, I'm getting dressed again, and you know, I'm kind of doing that whole thing. And I was like, why am I paying this guy? Like, I'm, my mom told me all this stuff when I was a kid, and she had a way lower copay than this guy. Like, why, why am I going to this guy? None of what he told me was new. I already knew. Do you think? I already knew all that stuff. It's no different than what we talk about tonight with finances. You already know this stuff. It's just whether or not you're willing to actually trust God with it and apply it to your life. Here's the crazy thing. You don't even have to know God to know that this is true. You don't even have to be in a relationship with God to put these principles and this truth to the test and see a change or a difference in your life. None of this is new. It's just life-changing. And so we're going to dive in real honestly, real practically, and we're going to talk about it at church. And I know talking about money at church can get a little funky. 
Because the church at best has a jaded history when it comes to money. Some churches have done really, really well, done incredible things. A lot of the hospitals around our cities, orphanages, great works, have started from churches. But there have been just as many, if not more sometimes, churches who've done it very poorly and who've actually dishonored God with how they've dealt with and approached with and demanded money. But we're going to talk about money in church because we believe, despite the track record of the church, the track record of God's word is 100% solid is that you can trust this. You can trust what God says. And when you do and apply it to your life, it literally starts to change things. It literally begins to change your life. We're talking about this because we believe it matters. Top three reasons. Of the top three reasons divorces happen, right in the top three, money. Top three reasons why churches like this, great churches, big churches, split, divide, fall apart, lose their influence, money. Top three reasons why nations fall, why nations literally are divided and fall. Money. This thing has been with us from day one. In fact, there's not only all those negative effects that money can have on us. We believe here at Soul City Church, and I believe that God's word supports and believes and teaches that money has the power to be one of the most transformational agents in your life. One of the things that can actually bring about the most change in your life when you listen to and trust and apply God's word, God's wisdom regarding your money to your life. This is not for somebody else. This is for us. This is for you. And so if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask that you open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be diving into God's Word and what it has to say about money. Before we get into it too specifically, I want to just speak to probably a fear that many of us have. Many of us, when we think about talking about church and money and all that kind of stuff, the fear is, the assumption is, that God's trying to get something from you. Right? If you were to be really honest, when it comes to money and God and church, the fear is God's just out to get something from me. And if I really, really kind of go give over to him and trust him with it, I'm going to end up giving all my money away. I'm going to end up driving a really old beer car. I'm going to end up giving my money to build some well in Africa that I'm never going to go to. And like we have this fear, like if I really trust God with this, he's going to take something from me. Now listen to me, I want you to hear me really, 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 really clear. God's not out to get your money. That's absurd. It's already his to begin with. He's not out to get your money. He's trying to keep and fighting to keep your money from getting you. God's heart is not to get your money. It's to keep money from getting you. God's not trying to take something from you. He actually has something for you. And that is a fundamental shift. It really comes down to whether you trust God or not, whether you think God is for you or against you. God is not trying to take something from you. He actually has something for you when it comes to your finances. It's freedom. It's life to the fullest. God actually has a new and different purpose for your money, a new and different perspective for your money, a new and different plan for your money that is actually for your benefit. It's already his. He's not trying to take it from you. He actually has something for you. And if you believe that, then you can come to God and come to his word and understand that maybe this is different than your assumptions or what your fears told you about God and money. Interestingly enough, the Bible has 800 verses about money. 800 verses about money. Now, this is not just true of the Bible. Every major religion in the world, every single one of them, do the research, every single one of them talks about money, possession, and stuff, and what they can do to your heart. The Bible itself speaks to 800 times, speaks to the role of money in our life. Jesus' parables, of the parables he taught, over half of them have to do with money and work. 
In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. So do you think this matters to God? Do you think he wants this to matter to you? Do you think you matter to God? And do you think he longs for him to matter more to you than your money? If that's our perspective, then we can come to God's word, we can listen to it, and we can actually trust and believe that it has the power to change our life. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, and what we're talking here is the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the most famous recorded sermons that we have of Jesus. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a big sermon. He talks about a lot of different things. He was just beginning to build a following. People were coming out to hear. As Jeannie mentioned earlier, his baptism had previously happened. Now he is in what we call his public ministry, the last three years of his life. And part of his public ministry, aside from healing, aside from miracles, aside from being with the poor, the oppressed, the overlooked, he taught. He taught us about God. He taught us about ourselves. And he talked a lot about money. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. And again, what we're about to read to you, Matthew 6, 21, no matter where you're at with God, you'd have to agree that this is actually true. Matthew 6, 21 says these words. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you agree with that? Where your treasure is, like what matters to you, that's what matters most to your heart. Where your stuff is, where your money is, that's what matters most to your heart. Jesus was talking about storing up treasures in heaven versus storing up treasures on earth. Jesus was talking about investing in things that will actually outlast and outlive you, which we talked about over the last couple of weeks. He was talking about that. He says, so look, here's the bottom line. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If it's on the things of God, then you will see your life reflect that. But if it's about stuff and if it's about the things of this world, your heart will be occupied by the thoughts of that. Either the desire to have more of what you don't have or the fear of losing what you actually have. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to see what someone really believes, if you want to see what someone really believes, don't look to how big their Bible is, right? If you want to see what someone, don't look at how big their Bible is or how many verses they have underlined or why they have special indentations in their Bible. Why is there so many different colors in their Bible? Don't look at that. Don't worry about that. Don't look at how many worship songs they have in their iPod. Oh my gosh, all they have is worship. I can't find a single song that I actually would listen to on the radio. It's all worship music. This person must really, really love God. If you want to know what someone really believes about God, if you want to know what someone really believes in their heart, what really matters, look to their spreadsheet. Look to their bank account. Look to how they spend their money. Jesus says it very clearly in Matthew 6, 21. If you want to know where someone's heart is, follow the money. If you want to know where someone's heart is, including yours, follow the money. The money. If we were to go back over last month's bank statement and we were able to put it up on the screens, how would you feel? If we were able to do that, and, and let's, say, let's say we had access to that kind of knowledge. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. What would you think? What would you feel? And what would we learn about what matters most to you? What would we see? Where is your heart? What would we see and learn about your heart? If we were to somehow publish every prayer you've ever prayed to God about money, oh God, please bring me more money. Oh God, I'm so in trouble. Please help me out. Every one of those pleas and prayers and backroom deals you make with God, like God, if you get me out of this month, I swear next month I'll tithe 20% or 10 or just I'll tithe, period. Okay. And so like you make these prayers. If we were to publish your prayers, would they fall more on the side of dependence and gratitude and trust or would they be these desperate pleas and prayers of, oh God, please just give me more Money, I just need a little more money. If I could just have this, if I could just have that, if you could just help me out. If you want to know the measure of my heart, open up my bank account. 
It'll tell you, more times than not, it will tell you where my heart is, what matters most to me. When it comes to your heart, who's really in control? What really matters most? What do you really trust? Is it God? Or is it you? Your stuff? Your money? Or lack thereof? Jesus does not pull any punches to us. When you want to know where someone's heart is, you follow the money, follow me, because it will lead to it every single time. It will lead back to it. In fact, Jesus goes on and gets a little more blunt. Jump ahead a couple more verses to Matthew 6, verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus is continuing in his teaching about treasures on earth and money, and he says these words. This is really interesting. Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. And I want you to say when I pause, you read back to me. That way I know that you're still with me. Either you will what? Hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Now, show of hands. How many of you have ever heard that verse or that phrase before? You can't serve two masters. Right. So we all sort of know this. We would all agree with this. How many of you have ever had more than one boss at work? had like two or three people you've had to report to. How fun was that? It's never fun, right? It's never easy, right? Well, Jesus is saying, look, more and deeper than that, you can't serve both God and money. You're either going to delight God with your finances or it's going to destroy your life. It will do one or the other, but it cannot do both. You will either love one or loathe the other, despise one, delight in the other. It doesn't matter. You have to serve one. It's either going to be God or money. Who is in control? Who do you trust ultimately? Now, none of us come to this sort of choosing money over God thing in, in, in big and grand or, or even disastrous, devious ways. It's lots of times. It's small ways. It's really, really, really small ways. And if we were to publish your bank account statement, your statement, we would see that it's really small ways. None of us are going out and buying, you know, $50 million shark grottos to install in our backyard, unless you're in the NBA. Like, that's not what you're doing, how you're spending. No one spends their money that big, that grand, right? No one destroys their life, typically in one foul swoop. It's lots of small decisions where we determine who ultimately we trust with our finances, with our resources. Is it God or is it us? Is it God or is it our stuff? It's small things, lots and lots of little small things. You do it, you can see it every paycheck you get. What's your first thought? What's your first desire? What's the first thing you want to do when you get your paycheck? What's that first impulse, that first instinct? That reveals a lot about who you trust and who's in control of your finances. Lots of times when we see what other people have, and we want it, that's a re- that reveals right there. It's little stuff. You see someone who has a nicer this or a newer this, or oh, they already pre-ordered the iPad too. Oh my God. They must be so much more important than I am, and I must somehow figure out how to destroy them in my technology purchases. Like, <laughs> we have a desire when we see other people's stuff that reveals our true heart, whether we trust God or we trust money or ourselves or our stuff. You think about it. Every ad you see that is speaking into, that is cleverly designed to convince you that you don't have enough. And if you only had this, you would be complete. Every time, every little decision you and I make to choose debt over dependence on God. Every time we choose to go into debt over depending on and waiting on God, that reveals something. 
Every time we choose comfort over courage when it comes to following God. We talk about that a lot around here. When we choose comfort, not that those things are all bad in and of themselves, it's not at all what we're talking about. But when we make things, when we use our resources and we choose comfort over the courage of trusting God, that he's actually created us more creative and more courageous than to simply be a consumer, we reveal what we ultimately truly believe about God. See, it happens in lots of ways, small ways. We reveal what we really trust, what we really put our hope in. And so what I want you to do is I want us to get very, very real. We're just kind of setting the stage We're setting the picture. Do we really believe that God actually has something for us when it comes to our finances? So to do that, I want to do something very tangible and practical. So can you, like, trust me with your money for a little bit here? Here's what I'd like you to do. I want every single person, so none of you are exempt. Why you would think that you are exempt from this makes me think that you're a pretentious person and I want to judge you in my heart. So here's what I'm asking you to do. No, I'm kidding. You need to pull out your wallet or your purse right now. Oh, yeah. It's going to get real up in here. So you need to, every single person, don't make me judge you, every single person needs to pull out your wallet, your, your whatever you keep your money in. Now, I know some of you. Some of you keep your money in nice wallets or nice organized things. Some of you, like, keep it wrapped in a rubber band, like you're, I, I don't know what you got going on the side, like... Some of you have it all held together by a paper clip. Whatever you have your money or credit cards, could you hold that out and, and hold that with you right now in your lap? Has everyone got it out? Everyone, right? All right, this is important. This is good. All right, you're holding that? All right, so now for real. Like, for real, for real. And we can talk about the Bible, we can talk about God, but like, for real, for real. Ultimately, who do you trust? Who's in control? Who's behind the wheel of your life? Is it God or is it this? It's not that money is bad. My gosh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at how God actually blesses us with, blesses us with resources to actually be a blessing to others. So it's not that these things are bad. I just want to ask the question. I think you and I need to engage seriously with God. Is Who's in control? Is it this stuff or is it God? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your wallet or whatever your little wad of money and credit cards is and I want you to hand it to the person on your right. I'm totally serious. And if you're on an aisle and you can't hand it to someone on the right, hand it to the person on your left so someone's going to be sitting with double money. I'm totally serious. You've got to trust me on this one, or you've got to trust them on this one. I'm absolutely serious. Some of you are here for the first time, you're like, my gosh, this is how it goes down. This is how it happens. All right, has everyone passed their money to the person on their right, or if you're on the aisle, passed it back to the person on the left? Now how does it feel? How does this feel to literally take your stuff and go, okay, person next to me, really don't know who you are, haven't had time to run a background check, you're trying to Google them real quick to see if they're shady. Hold on, don't give that money back to me. I want you to hold on to this for a second. Now, if you're like me, and if you take this out and you hand this over to someone else, regardless of whether you think you have a lot or whether you think you don't have enough, It feels very much out of control, doesn't it? You've now trusted someone you don't know with your stuff, with your finances. It feels unnerving, doesn't it? It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel normal to just hand over all your stuff to the person next to you. And some of you hand it over to your spouse and you still don't trust them. You're still still concerned. You're still concerned. You're watching them. I see you. I know you. I got you. I got this. Right? It's unnerving. It feels, even to us, it feels 
unnatural. Here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. As weird and uncomfortable as this feels, this is what we do every time we write a check to whatever mortgage company, to whatever car company, to whatever credit card, to Apple, to Panera, to The Gap. Every day, we're giving our money to people we don't know. We're entrusting our resources that actually have been given to us by God to people we don't know. And sure, we get something in return for that. Pays for the rent, keeps the car running. Those aren't bad things. The reality is you do this every single day. You entrust other people that you don't know with the resources that God has entrusted you with. And so the question for you and I to wrestle is, if we're willing to do that with strangers, why is it so hard for us to do that with God? Why is it so hard for us to trust the resources that he's given us to the one who's given them to us? What if God doesn't want something from you? He wants something for you, and that is to be financially free, to live life to the fullest, what he actually intended you for, created you for, and entrusted you with those resources with in the first place. Now, some of you are starting to shake a little bit. (laughs) I can feel it. Before you give that wallet or that purse, whatever, back to that person, there's one thing we want to do. This is the point in the service where we want to receive the offering. (laughs) And what we're going to do... And I want you to give like you think that person should give. Give freely, give generously. No, I'm kidding. Okay, go ahead and hand it back. Make sure, hand it back. Count it, run through it, make sure you got it all. Make sure it's all there. All right. All right. Here's the deal. For the next couple weeks, we are going to go hard after trusting God with our stuff to trusting God, the one who gave it to us, back to him. And this last week, Gene and I got a little bit of a, a scare in the mail. We got a letter from the IRS, which no one ever really jumps up and down for those, you know, unless you know you're getting a return or something. We got a letter from the IRS, and we were a little, you know, we were like, at first we were a little panicked, and then we opened it up, and like we kept looking at it, and we're like, it looks like they're auditing us. And we were like, that's weird. So we, at first we were really freaked out. And then we kind of laughed. because like, <laughs> joke's on them. We don't make any money. <laughs> go ahead. So then we started going through. We're like, no, no, wait. There's clearly a mistake here. Like they had added several zeros to what they thought we earned income on. And then they wanted the tax on that. And I was like, look, let's strike a deal. Give us that money. We'll gladly give you the tax back. Because <laughs> that money we never got. And so we called our tax guy. He sorted it all. I was like, no, no, no. They made a mistake, which which is always kind of fun to hear about the IRS. They made a mistake, and it's okay. And so we got all that sorted out. But it panicked us for a little bit, right? Because we were like, oh, man, that, that's a, someone actually kind of was looking into our accounts and was saying, wait a second, something's not right here. And so none of us wants that feeling. None of us wants to get to that place. Maybe you've gone through that before, having someone else come through your finances. It's, it can be a little intimidating. And for some of us, it reveals a lot that we don't want other people to know, right? I mean, that's what Jesus said. If you want to know where the heart is, you follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. So here's what we're going to do. Instead of waiting for someone to audit us, we're going to take a challenge together as a church. I was talking to someone last week at Soul City Church, and they said the thing that they love most about our church is the homework. I was like, that, really? They're like, I love it. Because what we do is we talk about God's word, we talk about who God is, and then we go home and we have to like, do something about it. And I thought that's so fascinating, because for 20 years, I spent all my time and energy avoiding homework as much as possible. But now I realize when it comes to my relationship with God, I need help. 
constantly. I'm a pastor. I'm a parent. I need help just as much as you do. I need things that help remind me of who God is and what his desire is for my life. And so we're going to do a little homework this week. We are going to audit ourselves. You are going to audit every single purchase you make. Now, there's a lot of tools you can get online to do this. And we put up a little resource page on our website that you can go to with some great tools, all real great stuff, practical stuff. Maybe use mint.com. We use mint.com. It's all great. But a lot of the stuff you use is totally after the fact, and it just kind of reports back to you what you've already done. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. Every single one of us, when we walk out of here tonight, is going to get our own little audit sheet. And you can download this from our website, too. You can download the PDF, save some more trees if you want. But we're going to ask you to take this every day of this next week to audit yourself every single purchase you make. And I was talking to someone on our staff about this earlier, and they were like, but does, that doesn't change anything. It doesn't make help. It doesn't like, it's too late. You already spent it. What does it do? I honestly believe, I believe what Jesus teaches is that when you audit yourself and look at how you spend your money, you will see your heart. It will reveal exactly what matters most to you. Now, none of these things necessarily are bad in and of themselves, but it's the accumulation of these things. It's the addition and multiplication of these things over time that reveals whether we trust God or we trust ourselves. Whether we trust God or we trust our stuff. So we are asking every single one of us to record every single purchase you make this week. And when we come back together next week and we dive back into God's word about our finances and about what it means to actually truly be free in our relationship with God, I think we'll walk into this time together differently. I think we will. I think we'll be a little bit more honest with ourselves. So much of the stuff you've heard before, none of it's new. It's just life-changing. And it's not for someone else. It's not for people who have more money than you. This is God's heart for you, your resources, your stuff, to either delight him or honestly has the power to destroy your life. So here's what I'm going to ask. Could you keep your wallets and purses? Can you kind of pull those back out? I'm going to ask the band to come up right now, and we're going to just spend a few minutes praying, we're going to pray that God actually gives us a new perspective for our resources, his perspective. He gives us a new purpose for our stuff, his purpose. And then he actually does the work to give us a new plan for what we do with the stuff that he's entrusted us with. Like I said, we're going to get real practical over the next couple of weeks, but can we start, can you hold that wallet, that purse in your hand? And we're just going to pray honestly and openly to God right now that he would wreck our life, our finances, with his love and grace. So let's pray right now together. God, we we know, we know in our heart, ultimately God, that your ways are better than our ways. We know, God, that every single gift we have in our life is a gift from you, our Heavenly Father, that you shower down upon us generously. God, we know that we may not have all that we want, but we already have all that we need in you. And so, God, I pray that this week, even right now in this moment, you would remove that fear in us that you want to take something from us. But, God, you would reveal to us even in this moment right now, you actually have something for us. And it's freedom. And God, when it comes to our finances, that is a word that we seldom say. We want to be free so that we can trust you more, follow you more, give more, live more fully as you intended us to be. 
God, you know, you know, you speak so regularly, so honestly, so helpfully about what this stuff can do to our soul. And so, God, we pray, we pray that you would have your way in our lives, that we would not only invite you into our hearts, we'd invite you into our wallets this week. And that, God, we would be able to be honest with you about who we really trust. Hear our heart, God. Know our, know our desire that we long to trust you. Now, God, we pray that you would give us the courage, the wisdom, the discipline to do so. And we know when we do, God, we will experience the joy and the freedom and the fullness that can only come from you. That can only come from you. Not a single thing we can buy can give us what you already offer to us freely, God. God, meet us in our finances, we pray this week. In your name, amen.